Welcome to the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Welcome to ITSB Magazine. You're listening to a new The Hacker Factory podcast with hacker maker Philip Wiley. You're about to discover what the role of a professional hacker entails, the different specializations it holds, and what it takes to learn and become one. Enjoy the conversation as Philip and guests unveil the secrets of professional hacking, a mysterious, intriguing, and often misunderstood occupation. Knowledge is power, now more than ever. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Hacker Factory Podcast. I'm your host, Philip Wiley. In each episode, I have someone sharing their career path as well as their advice to others wanting to get started in cybersecurity. And today I'm very happy to have Kenny Parsons joining us. Kenny's part of our local cybersecurity community. He's presented at our local DEF CON group meetings in Denton, Texas, as well as attended. And uh, part of one of my favorite consulting groups out of Texas, Set Solutions, which nearly acquired. Uh, but at any rate, it's, uh, I've been friends and connected with folks in his organization for quite a while and a uh, great bunch of people. I mean, I think I know about 10 people probably there and, and referred you guys uh pen test lead there, Corey. So, yep. uh, well, thank you for having me. Welcome to the show. I appreciate it. Thanks for oh, having you're me. You're welcome. It's, it's great to have you on. And I've really enjoyed the presentations that you've presented at DC 940. Yours was probably when you did the one on Kubernetes a while back, or either maybe it was the Docker one was like one of the first ones I'd yeah. set through the full, the whole time in a while, just busy and distracted with other things. But you have some really good, good uh, stuff that you've been sharing. And I was talking to, to uh, one of your cokers, James Hines, and also Michael Farnham at the, the, the uh, DFW SETCON. And, and they were just kind of really, going on about how you've kind of advanced and how your career path has shifted. So why don't you kind of uh, start out by introducing yourself, share kind of how you got started and, and kind of how your career path has kind of uh, went. Yeah. So I currently am a security consultant with Set Solutions, now a Trace 3 company, recently acquired, like you mentioned. Um, and honestly, what that is, is just anything and everything related to security. Obviously, we focus a lot on data security uh, network, firewalls, things like that. Uh, we have some core practices. So my role just fits in all of those. Um, so my background was actually in just a IT generalist. Um, started as a basically junior help desk uh, for a small company based out of Florida, uh, working under a senior and just started picking some things up. Really enjoyed uh, what I did. And I enjoyed the pursuit of knowledge and just trying new things and learning and um the challenge, uh, really the challenge of taking something I have no idea how to do, reading about it, asking around and then figuring it out. So that I, I enjoyed that challenge. And um, so, yeah, uh, IT generalist background, I got hired on uh, to a couple different roles, just um, not really mature organizations um, when it came to technology specifically, uh, which la- allowed me as, you know, not a fully matured uh, practitioner to try what I know um, and take advantage of the oppor- of the open playing field and the opportunity to just do things kind of the way I saw fit. Uh, I made a lot of mistakes along the way, learned a ton, uh, but I just kept, I constantly kept trying to learn more, uh, pick up new things and, uh, 
you know, my background before that was just general business, uh, business consulting, uh, just areas within uh, the business marketing, um, you know, a little bit of sales, although I wasn't in sales, I interact with a lot of those teams. And so I enjoyed listening to all of these uh, different departments and characters and figuring out what are the problems that they're having. Um, I enjoyed listening to that and trying to come up with solutions, obviously with technology, that's kind of where I sat and I like, I like to do it. So, Hey, what problems could I solve? with technology. Uh, and so in these, you know, less mature organizations, I did the same thing. I started listening to people in development, listened to people in sales or wherever, and just was figuring out what kind of problems were they facing? What technology were they using? What processes were they using? Maybe it had nothing to do with technology. Um, just listened and tried to use my experience and the things that I'd done in the past and apply them uh, to a scenario. So uh, I was a project manager for a while, got into cybersecurity. That's That was my first jump into cybersecurity. I was a project manager uh, with Set Solutions, actually, um, which, man, that opened up a whole new world of opportunity because I'm sitting in on meetings and projects with, you know, potentially hundreds of practitioners um, in various areas of the business with various, various levels of technology. Um, and I got to listen and I got to hear what they're doing and I just got to soak all that up. Uh, that really fueled my passion to get into the actual engineering side. I did a lot of stuff on, on the side for fun, uh, randomly picked up Docker one day and, you know, that kind of changed my career a lot, but I just had a lot of the home, home server self-hosted thing. If you're on the Reddit sub forums, you know, self-hosted home server, uh, I just tried to do as much as I could, uh, learn as much as I can from the community uh, and just from reading. And then I made my way into engineering. Again, just kind of doing anything and everything I can to help, uh, just solving problems and obviously using technology to do it. Um, but yeah, that, that's kind of been my path generally um, from an IT generalist to project manager into you know engineering. So it's a very interesting journey. So whenever you... Uh... But prior to getting started in a career, uh, did you go to college to get educated on anything around technology or yeah. just self-taught? Or Yeah, I had no education when it came to technology. Um, my degree was actually in marketing, of all things. Like I mentioned before, my generalist business knowledge, that was from my marketing and the jobs that I had around that. Um, I had a couple classes, ironically. Uh, in it, that was my minor. I wanted to do, um, I think it was like business information minor or something like that information systems minor it was it was very basic i mean they taught us word powerpoint excel and then a few basic computer classes um like comptia a plus stuff and i remember after one semester i was like i don't want to be and i had this picture in my mind of what a computer person was or what a uh, a programmer you know that was the term back in the day what a programmer was and i was like i don't want to be that and so I actually dropped it, <laughs> ironically enough. And um, I picked the minor with the fewest amount of credits. Uh, had no interest in it at all. It was just I could get it done quickly and graduate in four years. Um, so yeah, no formal education at all in, in technology. Um, obviously, looking back, I wish I would have done things differently. But you know that landed me where I'm at. Yeah, that's one of the nice things about about the field. Not necessarily having to have degrees or certifications that. You don't have to do it one one specific way or not, but based on your experience, you had it to do all over again, kind of knowing where you wanted to go. Would you have done things differently? I probably would have, at minimum, not dropped the IT courses uh, from my workload, but I would have focused heavily 
on degrees that had real world application or that used industry certifications as their exam. A friend of mine got his degree in information systems and all of his final exams, the whole course was built on industry certifications. So instead of a final exam written by a professor, it was a CCNA route and switch or another industry exam. And so by the time he graduated, he had 30 plus um, certifications. And so I wish I would have focused more, even post-college, pre-getting into all of this, I wish I would have focused more on certifications. But honestly, back then, I didn't know those things existed. I didn't have access to all of those resources. I didn't know where to find them. Um, I was still figuring out what it is that I like to do and what were my core competencies and things like that. So obviously, kind of chicken chicken and egg scenario, uh, knowing what I know now, I obviously would have pursued that. Uh, that path, but uh, it took the path that I was on to get to where I am now. Um, so I guess that's where channels like yours and people like you uh, in this space trying to share education, I feel like is super important. Um, educating people and letting them know like there are these resources out there for free, almost 99% of them of the same qualities you would pay for it at an, in a university. And so I think I thought, I think that's why it's really important what you do uh, and others like you to let people know what's out there and how to get started. And here's the resources. Yeah. Using those resources are a good way to kind of save time and money because you can just imagine someone that wants to do this, they sign up for a certain degree, they get in there, go through several classes and they don't like it, or it's just not working. They're not learning a specific way, or maybe they're getting bogged down in some of the prereqs and kind of lose the desire. Absolutely. Yeah, and that's kind of what happened to me, again, with the IT. I I thought I wouldn't like it. And because I was paying for it, I decided to drop it. Whereas for some of these resources, you could just hammer it on a weekend, a few weekends, and you can knock through some some Udemy courses or anything else free like that. And uh, so I think it's really important to let people know what these resources are so that they can figure it out and understand what they want to do. So, so what were the resources that you've used to, to educate yourself? Lots of YouTube, um, lots of documentation, um, read the docs, you know, uh, you hear that on the forums. Did you read the docs? I'm guilty of that myself. I just go straight to the forums and ask for help, but that's where a lot of information lies. Um, lots of courses you can find on like things like YouTube, uh, for free, um, there's a, if you're into like CCNA route and switch, which I had, I think mine just expired maybe a couple months ago, but, or a month ago, um, my CCNA, I did a lot of, there was a free online YouTube course, um, hundred percent, completely free. And the quality was incredible. It was up there, if not better than the original courses that I paid for, which were again, still relatively cheap. They were maybe 20 bucks. I mean, they're super cheap. Uh, so the other one that I used a lot was Udemy, um, that was a great platform to find good quality content that's regularly updated. Um, and then honestly, Reddit. I read a lot on Reddit. I followed what people were doing. Uh, I watched what people were posting. I read blog posts. I mean, every day, even to this day, I'm reading blog posts from a few curated uh, editors, but I read their blog posts all the time to figure out what's what's new, what's hot, what, what's going on, what are the technologies that people are talking about that they're interested in. Not only is that where the money's at, but that's where the attention's at too. Um, and that's where a lot of resources are being put and where things naturally tend to shift. Um, so a lot of blog posts and then just trying it myself. Um, 
like I said, I was on the self-hosted Reddit where it was all about how to self-host alternatives to online SaaS services. And that was a great way for me to learn because you learn hardware, you learn software, operating system maintenance, virtualization. I mean, you name it, you're kind of getting into the full stack. Um, And so I learned a lot by doing, again, following people's guides, whether it be a blog post or a Reddit article itself, a Reddit post uh, or comments or things like that. So those are probably my number one uh, learning uh, sources when it was on my own, you know, not really a structured learning path. Um, And then there are some good paid courses out there as well when you get into the industry certs uh, that I did as well. But if you're looking straight up for free, man, Udemy often has a lot of deals where you can get them for a dollar or cheaper, um, sometimes free. And then YouTube, Uh, those are my big two. Yeah, it's kind of nice to have some of those resources. And, and when you get into more of the cutting edge technologies, you're not going to have a course readily available yep. sometimes, especially when you figure, when you look at the college level, it's a while because, you know, when I was getting started in, in cybersecurity back in 2004, I think they just come, the different schools just started offering like maybe a master's degree. They didn't have bachelor's degree degrees. And it was like more around, uh, data assurance or whatever information is assurance and not really so much what we see now. And you didn't have the opportunity to learn some of the defensive stuff. So, I mean, there wasn't much there. And so using the resources like you're using, you're able to get a hold of some of that stuff before it gets to the, to the college. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and one that just came to mind as well. Um, I would leverage the people around me, you know, people like you coworkers, I can, I have a bunch off the top of my head that I, Anytime they spoke on a project when I was a project manager and I was taking notes, man, I was really listening because they've kind of got that firsthand knowledge of, uh, of the f- stuff that they're using. And so I tried to pick up as much as I can uh, from those people as well. Um, but yeah, leveraging the people around you, leveraging these resources. And then, you know, like I said, that's what it's important to get the word out there, you know, people who are doing this for others. So, so with your marketing background, have you been able to leverage any of that for your career that's been helpful? Um, my professor, who I still keep up with, I actually met with him about a month ago. I'd love to say yes. Um, but in reality, no, the, the actual day-to-day, what I learned there, uh, it really, the value wasn't what I was actually being tested on. The value was the experience of sticking with something for four years. Um learning how to interact with others and get projects done, um, how to go out and learn often on my own because I may not have learned that. Um, so the actual day-to-day, the things that I was learning, things that I was being quizzed or tested on, not really. Um, but the principles and a lot of things that I learned, absolutely, I'm using those. Um, but uh, the marketing degree, just to be a little bit more specific, where I was at was more of a business generalist. Uh, so it got into advertising, public speaking, uh, design, all that kind of stuff. So I, I've used a few of those things here and there, but uh, no, it was more the experience. Um, so I don't look down on a college degree. You know, as mentioned before, I really would have focused on certifications. Um, I don't look down on a college degree. It was absolutely valuable, but not necessarily for the actual classes. It was for the experience and the principles that I learned while I was there. Yeah, sometimes it's just some of those skills. Like for me, it was the English composition class and the <laughs> yeah. and the speech class. Some of those things that you're using in everyday life that were probably some of the most important takeaways for me. 
Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that one hundred percent. So I know you're really involved in the community and, and before it kind of slips my mind, I wanted to go ahead and bring up the topic of the new uh, group that you're bringing to the Dallas Fort Worth area. And if you could discuss that. Yeah. So in May, May the 4th, actually Star Wars Day, we'll be launching uh, what we call the founders meeting for uh, DevSecCon. So DevSecCon is a global community for developer security professionals. Um, and so we're launching a Dallas chapter here. Uh, and the aim of DevSecCon is very much like this channel. It's an educational piece. We want to help bring technology students, professionals, practitioners, whoever. We want to bring them to the table, developers as well, obviously, and um, help them when it comes to uh, development security. Uh, we want to make sure that we're developing the the future of you know security and, De and DevSecOps. Um, so we're launching our Dallas chapter. Um, so there are two other chapters in the United States currently. Uh, so we are the third chapter, the first in Texas. And so it's a great area to start one. We've got a lot of interest already um, getting connected with universities around as well. So I'd be hoping to plug in and connect with them and, you know, get directly connected to students. And that's that, that was kind of my goal. But honestly, I found the group looking for a local community in the DevSecOps group and in space of security. And there wasn't really anything around. So I, I still joined the group on the Discord channel, things like that. And they reached out and they said, hey, we really want um, a Dallas group. Would you be interested in hosting? And I said, absolutely, because I want this for other people. What I couldn't have, I want this. And so I'm not hosting it. I'm not um, you know, the chapter leader because I'm an expert in anything. I'm hosting it because I want there to be a good path and a good opportunity for people to learn, to share, very similar to our local uh, DEF CON group where people just have a platform to share what they know, even, you know, very specific, what may be considered small or minute, that might be really important and people should know that and people should have an opportunity to share that. So that's what I'm doing. Uh, so we're getting kicked off May the 4th. Um, so we're super excited about that. It's coming up pretty soon. Uh, so where, where are you hosting your first meeting at? Uh, it'll be hosted at our office space at, at 25 North in Frisco. Um, currently, uh, that's where the Set Solutions office is, and they've uh, been gracious enough to allow me access to the facilities. Um, so we'll be hosting it there as you know attendance possibly grows. We may uh, move, but that's where we're at right now. That's great, and that's that that's a good location too. We need need more stuff up in that area because they used to have the North Texas Cybersecurity Group meetings up there. That was pretty decent location for people coming over from Denton because I know like Sheldon and Rick used to come over from from Denton to go to those. But but definitely good to to see more stuff and and it, those are such good. It's going to be a great experience for you because just the, all the connections and stuff you'll make, and then you know your willingness and wanting to help others is, is will be. Uh, you know, you'll get to utilize that a lot more. So that's great that you're doing that. Yeah, super excited. Good location. Uh, lots of business, technology businesses right in that area. I mean, that's headquarters drive pretty much. Uh, so super excited about the connections we'll be able to make and um, resources that members will be able to have through other members as well. So super excited to share that. So speaking of resources, I mentioned learning resources. What are some good uh, learning resources for Docker? Because I know you've done your talk on that. You got passionate about it, something yeah. you're really interested in. And and it's a really good technology for people to know. So what's a good resource or good resources to learn Docker? Um, YouTube. Uh, I mentioned that before, but it's, <laughs> yeah. you know, so I would caution people who, especially with Docker, 
honestly, with, with anything, there are going to be people, and I might even fall into that category as well, who get super passionate and opinionated about something that someone else is like, man, that's just completely wrong. Um, however, Docker does seem to be um, a little bit more touchy because there's a Docker philosophy on how to host you know, what we call microservices. Um, Docker has a very particular philosophy on how things should work. Uh, so getting into YouTube, just know that you're going to get a lot of like newbies, people like me, throwing up content, trying to get views. Um, but it's a great place to start. Just take everything with a grain of salt. Um, best place to learn Docker uh, or just in ge- more in general, microservices and containers. Um, find a really good um, author on a blog. So there's an author that I follow on medium.com. Uh, his name is escaping me. His first name is Tony. I can't remember his last name, but he's got some really good quality content on Linux in general, and his Linux knowledge transfers really well to container uh, technology. Uh, so I read just about everything he posts, even if it's something uber simple like the Linux file system. I still read it. You know, uh, need a refresher on that every now and then. Um, so finding a good list, a curated list of blog articles, uh, a blog authors, excuse me, um, Tony. Um, I'm blanking on his name. I'll, I'll find it. Well, if you want it, I'll give it to you in the show notes. But um, finding that YouTube, uh, obviously Docs, that's a big one. And then some, obviously this is not sponsored or anything like that, but some companies that are doing it right, um, that are uh, doing container security specifically, um, Sysdig, Sneak, Aqua, those are some great companies. So any white paper that they publish, I pretty much want to read. Um, obviously they'll go a lot more into cloud, you know, CSPM, CNAP, things like that, alphabet soup for just different cloud security topics. But, uh, anything that they release on like, you know, a security checklist for Kubernetes or, um, you know, Docker fundamentals or best practices. I'm going to read that. So those are some good companies to read from. Uh, so if you don't have a partner that you work with or someone that knows this really well, um, you can start with them, but if you do, just hey, who's in the space? Um, obviously, they may come back with some of those names and just start following what they do. Uh, that's what I've been doing really recently. Um, and then there are some best practice uh, documentation out there by Docker themselves and other companies. Red Hat's going to have some. Um, Sysdig obviously will have a few, but there are companies out there, uh, hosting companies usually have some tor- some type of best practice uh, article. Uh, from maybe on their blog or just in their knowledge base. Uh, those are good resources as well. Uh, so any of the cloud providers, any of the big three public cloud, um, IBM, any of those, I'm pretty much going to read all of their best practice uh, when it comes to the doctor, Docker. But um, to wrap up that conversation, uh, one of the best ways to learn Docker is to learn Linux. Um, if you get comfortable with Linux, it's going to translate really well. And then just understand the philosophy behind Docker, and then you'll kind of get the two halves of the of the story. Yeah, and you know one of the one of the things with learning and then you know actually applying this stuff, you need a good place to to curate and keep track of all your notes and all your links and URLs. Is there any specific uh, note taking platform that you that you like to use? Yeah, um, I'm a good old fashioned bookmarks. Um, I've got a big long list of bookmarks, although that can get super long and things get buried. Uh, for a long time, what I did was I uh, self hosted a wiki um, that I could uh, post to and kind of create my own curated how tos, and they were really intended for me, uh, so I didn't have to relearn 
every time that I wanted to do some operation when I was virtualizing or whatever. Um, so Docker aside, just kind of anything you're getting into, writing your own documentation, uh, getting a good wiki. Um, you don't need to go so hardcore as hosting your own or paying for anything. There's lots of good free ones. Uh, what I've been using lately, uh, other than just bookmarks for saving the most important things, has been an application on Mac called Obsidian. Uh, Obsidian.md. Uh, it's a Markdown-based uh, note-taking app. Uh, has a lot of powerful plugins and automation. Does a lot of cool stuff. But that's kind of where I tend to document things. Um, I also keep track of a lot of different code snippets or things that I'm actively deploying. I have a private GitHub repo where I store. So, uh, and then a lot's just kind of up here in my head. Um, I probably need to get out of that habit and start documenting a few things, but uh, the note-taking app is probably the best. So choose whichever one, you know, Evernote, a lot of people use that. Um, and that's a great way to just uh, clip articles even from your web browser, send it right over uh, and saves it to your Evernote. So that's probably what I would recommend. Yeah, it's one of the things with pen testing, especially when starting out in that and after a while too, is you do something once and you're it may not be something you're constantly doing, but you know, if you have the notes for it later on, it's a lot easier to do that oh, yeah. than trying to go back and re research and find what you had in the, the, the clipping function of Evernote. I use that a lot because one of the things I would run into as well. And I kind of, that's when I decided I needed something with the, with those type of functions or be able to save a copy of the web page somewhere else, because some of those, some of those resources, especially ones is free that someone hosts on their web on website, mm -hmm. they may decide that they're going to quit hosting it, quit messing with it. And it goes away. You, if you're lucky, you can use the Wayback Time Machine to find it. But in some cases, you can't. So that's yep. when I, I started clipping some of those things so I'd be able to go back and get it when I needed it. Yeah, those are fantastic. You know, good reasons to do that. You know, I would be one of those people. I just don't want to host it anymore. My server died or whatever. So, yeah, those are good ways to do it is take notes and clip things. I agree with that. So, yeah, I know you're a big fan of ChatGPT and have been experimenting a lot with that. So, yeah. Uh, what are your what are your thoughts on that, and what do you what are you using ChatGPT for? Um, I use ChatGPT a lot when it comes to organizing my thoughts. Um, you know, I do a lot of documentation for my for my day job, and so I'll use it to help organize thoughts, keep track of some things, reword some things. I mean, those are some pretty basic attempts. Um, like everybody else, I'm using it to try to write code, proof of concept, some things. I'm a POC warrior. I love just trying something new, seeing if it's possible, even if I'm not going to use it forever. Um, but lately I had a project that I was working on that would combine open AI whisper, uh, API, uh, which is uh, speech to text, um, with some other APIs for some automation. Um, so I really started digging into their API that's pretty powerful, pretty awesome. Uh, and a lot of other dev developers know even better than I, the things you can do with it, but obviously with the release of GPT four and that soon or beta integration with G chat GPT. Um, that's really going to start changing the game when it comes to uh, image recognition. So I don't know if you saw the demo. They were taking pictures of, you know, a mock-up website, and it would code it. I mean, so that's some pretty powerful stuff to combine two different inputs. You have text input. You have voice input. That's one that will probably be coming soon uh, through the integration of Whisper. And then you got picture input. Uh, so combining all of that under one easy-to-use API is really going to change the way uh, businesses work. Um, GitHub is experimenting as well with um, applying GPT large language models to documentation, to having 
it specifically trained on your own documentation, which was one of the ideas that I had posted back in like early December when it was brand new. So, hey, I want to try and I manually trained ChatGPT on a set of documentation for an application I was working with of a version that I knew it didn't know about was brand new. And on my really feeble attempts, it worked really well. And so uh, GitHub is doing that. And so I think that's going to be something to watch out for, like they did with Copilot, uh, with Codex. Um, And now even Forbes, Forbes is, or uh, Bloomberg, excuse me, I'm sorry. Bloomberg is coming out with Bloomberg GPT, and it's going to be trained on all of Bloomberg's financial data. And so that's really going to start changing how people, uh, how the financial sector uses chat GPT. It's going to be specifically trained on their types of data rather than just general data. Um, so OpenAI just give, not opening up their, uh, their API because it's still paid access, but making it full featured and accessible is really changing businesses and how they're looking at machine learning. I use air quotes or, you know, just AI in general, and they're kind of using all these terms, but it's bringing all of these technologies down to the average person, to the average business. These are now within reach, whereas before it was large, large companies with dedicated departments and, you know, Google with their whole um, AlphaGo and all of their projects that they were doing. Now it's not just the big people working on it. Average, average size companies can do this now. They just got to be innovative. Um, and we're starting to see that now with GPT-4 and the extensions that uh, OpenAI has opened up and plugins that they've opened up to the community. So really cool stuff coming down the line. Super excited what it can do. Obviously, there's a lot of concerns and worry, but uh, I think we'll take those as they come. Yeah, it's been very interesting. And I would say, you know, based on what I've seen, I haven't seen anything in a long time affect things so quickly, not like it's a totally yep. new technology, but the availability, how quickly something is producing, you know, great results so quickly. Yeah. OpenAI did a fantastic job releasing it in the chat format where the average layperson could use it and utilize about and get value from it. Uh, that was, I think, the deciding factor, what made them different from all of their previous attempts and other people's attempts too. Well, we're getting down towards the end of the episode. Are there any closing words you'd like to share before we end the episode? Well, man, other than just saying I appreciate the chance to share my experience, my my past, and just having a platform, um, I am thankful for other people and what they poured into me and for anybody wanting to make their way into cybersecurity, IT in general. Um, find good people who want to share uh, and want to see you succeed. Um, good managers want to see you succeed. Good friends want to see you succeed. Surround yourself with those types of people. Uh, people like yourself, Philip, and uh, the communities that we're in are full of individuals wanting to share and wanting to help people out. And so anybody wanting to get into that, really dig in. Um, start looking around in your local community. I found DevSecCon by Googling. And it's not like I had a connection. I just Googled them. I found was trying to find local groups. And so you can really find that. Um, so I appreciate you giving me a chance to speak. And I hope others found it somewhat insightful or helpful. Um, and I'm always available if anybody has any questions for me or wants to learn or get connected to someone else. Well, thanks for joining. I appreciate it. And one of the, one of the nice things about the show is when you have so many different paths, so many different opinions, someone... Sometimes you hear more feedback on certain episodes, but there's always someone that's going to get something good out of it. So that's yeah. one of the 
motivation is to keep going because that that story that right story may not come out for that certain person we keep doing it but this is a lot of good information and and you have a great story and some great advice well i appreciate it thank you thanks everyone and we'll see you on the next episode we hope you enjoyed this episode of the hacker factory podcast with philip wiley if you learned something new and this podcast made you think then share ITSPMagazine.com with your friends, family, and colleagues. If you represent a company and wish to associate your brand with our conversations, sponsor one or more of our podcast channels. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey. You can always find us at the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society.